Wasn't that a beautiful song that Taylor sang this morning and she sang it so well? Is that your soul's desire? To live for the Lord, to serve Him and obey Him every day. That should be our sole desire because everything else should be secondary. And Taylor's song was really beautiful this morning. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we just praise You and thank You for the opportunity to once again come into Your presence and to open the Word of God. Lord, we are cognizant of the fact this morning that we cannot understand this holy book without your Holy Spirit. We cannot have the power without the Spirit of God. We pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and that we will see Jesus today and that we will come to the understanding of your word and apply it in our lives and be those vessels, those servants that you want us to be, Lord. Help us to be humble and help us to do your will all the days of our lives. We just thank you and praise you for the opportunity this morning and ask your richest blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've been reading recently in the first book of Samuel. And the first book of Samuel has three prominent characters, Saul, Samuel, and David. And each one of them are very, have very interesting lives. And this morning, we're going to concentrate on David. We're not going to study all about David this morning, but we're going to study an incident in his life that showed he had victory over his circumstances. You know, when Carl was speaking in his last message, he said that really the important thing in our lives is we're going to go through trials and it's how we react to them and how we respond to them that really counts. Do we rise above our trials and above our experiences and circumstances, or do we let them weigh us down and bring us down? Channel 4, Cron uh, Network News, they have a, a thing called Rising Above for the high school students and things that from humble beginnings, they rise above the others. They're able from very poor economic conditions to rise up, go off to college, and they give them an award. They call it the Rising Above Award scholarship that they give to them. And that's what the Lord wants each one of us to do. He wants us to rise above our circumstances that we go through. All of us go through many things every day. And he wants us to rise above. He wants us to trust in him for his grace and power and know that God is working in us. He's not going to stop until we get home to heaven. He's in the process of bringing us closer to his son and like his son. So today we want to ask the Lord to show us from his word how he can change our character, how he can make us more committed to Christ, how we can be the vessels that he wants us to be. You know, someone once coined this prayer. I don't know who thought of it, but it's been around for many years. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And I thought that was very good because sometimes in life, there's certain things that God allows into our lives that are unchangeable things. We cannot change them. We try to change them. We struggle to change them. And God says, accept them. And then there are other things that he says, I want you to change. I want you to grow. I want you to be more like Christ. I want you to go and not be a baby Christian anymore, but to grow up to maturity. And I want you to, to be what I have for you. And that's when we have to change. And we have to have the wisdom in life to know those things and know the difference between them. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to the passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 23. 
The first book of Samuel, the 23rd chapter, will begin reading at verse 1. First Samuel 23 and verse 1. As we're turning to that, just remember the context here is David was the rightfully anointed king. Saul had blown it badly. He had disobeyed the Lord. He had fallen from God's grace. And now Samuel went to the sons of Jesse. Remember all the eight sons passed before him? And he says, no, none of these sons... And he says, David came and chose him as the anointed king. But Saul would, of course, not accept that. He was still the king and he had a hatred for David, like an unbelievable hatred. And he was jealous of him. And he knew in his heart that David would one day be king. But because he despised David and hated him, David was on the run. He was in the wilderness. He was in the rocks. He was in the caves. And he was trusting in God to protect him. And thus far and all the way through, in fact, God protected him. And we see here in chapter 23 a story of David and what he did for these people and how they did not show their appreciation to him and how we see that the Lord is his sufficiency. Let's read 1 Samuel 23.1. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keliah and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keliah. But David's men said to him, Look, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keliah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keliah, and I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keliah and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keliah. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keliah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keliah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keliah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keliah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keliah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as... Your servant has heard. O Lord God of Israel, I pray your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keliah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. Then David arose and his men about 600 and departed from Keliah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keliah. So he halted the expedition. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains and in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. 
And he said to him, do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord and David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his house. May Lord, may the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. We're going to look this morning at the life of David and what he did. And we'd like to keep in mind that in these circumstances that he's in, he's on the run, as we said. These are difficult times for him. He had to leave behind everything and he's out in the wilderness and he's with his men, 600 men. And so far, God has protected him and he has continued to protect him to this point. But, you know, David heard of a need there in Keliah that the Philistines, their arch enemies, had come down and attacked that city. And they had interfered with the threshing floors and they had caused problems for the people of Kaliah. And we see it mentioned in the first four verses of this chapter that we have read. And we know that David was a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord and he never blamed the Lord for his circumstances or the trials that he was in. He trusted God so many times in our lives, sometimes in my life. I feel sorry for myself when things don't go well or according to the plan. But we should not feel that way because everything that God allows in your life and allows in my life is filtered through his grace and filtered through his mercy. Nothing can touch us unless the Lord allows it. And we can thank the Lord for that. So many Christians, though, in their lives today, they say, why, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Why me? Why is this happening to me at this time in my life? There's injustices in this world. You know, oftentimes you say it's unfair. It's unfair. I didn't get the promotion at work. I deserved. It's unfair. There's unfairness and injustices throughout the world today in our lives. There's difficulties and trials and things we go through, but we should always see it as coming from the hand of God and know that he loves us. He cares for us and he's using these experiences to mold us, to grow us and to make us like Christ. So we should never be disappointed or discouraged by God's work in our lives, but we should say, thank you, Lord, that you're bringing this into my life. You love me this much to allow these circumstances to come into my life. Teach me endurance. Teach me faith. Help me to walk despite what I'm going through. But you can imagine what David might have been thinking at that time. Well, I know they need they need help. I know they need an army, but Saul's got an army. He's got a very large army. Let Saul help them. He's the king. He's He's the rightful king. He should be bringing the army down to save this city in Judah. Did he say that? No. He didn't say this either. I've got enough problems of my own. I'm sorry. I can't. I've got my men here. We're, we're hiding from Saul. I just don't have the ability to go and do it. Did he say that? No. He says, Lord, should I go? That was the first thing he did is he took it to the Lord in prayer. And so many times in our lives, we look around at others we see their needs. We see their problems. Then we look at our situation and we say, Lord, I can't help. I'm in need myself. But I found in my life that when I see somebody else in need and I help them, the Lord always brings help back to me. That's the way the Lord works. If you pour out your life to serve the Lord, you sacrifice for other people in need. You go and help them. You go and serve. The Lord will more than compensate. He will bless you tenfold, a hundredfold and give you joy and give you encouragement in your life. 
So I really like the fact that David always prayed. If you go back and you read in the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, you'll find whenever David was about to go out and fight a battle or whatever he was about to do, it says David inquired of the Lord. David didn't act on his own. He didn't say, well, this seems like a good idea to me or this makes sense or I think I should do it because I've done it before. He says, no, let's pray about it now. And he would take the matter to the Lord and leave it in his hands. If God said to go, he would go. And if God said to stay, he would stay. David, a man after God's own heart, loved the Lord and he sought the Lord's help in his life. And I like how his prayer is so specific. So specific what he asked. Very short and specific. Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord's answer was, go and attack these Philistines and I will deliver them into your hand. God left no doubt. And I love that because when we pray, sometimes we pray such general prayers. Lord, bless my life. Lord, bless this person. Lord, help this person. We should pray specifically for our needs and for the needs of others, because then we will see that God answers specifically. And he knows what we need even before we ask it. And he directs every circumstance for our good and for his glory. There was a pastor that came up with a certain little uh, outline for prayer and he said it this way. He said, if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. Or in other words, wait, it's not the right timing. If you are wrong, God says, grow. He doesn't put us down and say you shouldn't be asking. He just says, grow. It's not, it's not for you to do that. But, he says, if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says, go. And that's the go that David got. And when David got the go, he was ready to go. And he was ready to fight. But guess what? His men had not grown to that point in their lives yet because notice in verse three, they came up with an opposition. They says, David, what are you doing? We're hiding here in Judah. Saul is after you. He's after us. He wants to kill all of us. And you want us to go now and fight the Philistines? How are we going to do it? How are we going to handle it? So David says, "Okay, what we'll do is we'll ask the Lord again. David probably felt we don't need to ask the Lord again because he, he answered once and I don't need to ask him again because he made it very clear. But he says, okay, we're going to pray about it one more time. We're going to go to the Lord. And he prayed again and the Lord says, go and I will deliver these Philistines into your hand. There was now no doubt, no questioning or no opposition. They were all on the same page and they were going to go fight against these Philistines. A man named Robert Law once said, prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. I'll say that again. Prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. Sometimes I think when we pray, we want what we want. So we pray, Lord, do my will in heaven. This is what I want. Do my will in heaven. No, he says, don't do that. Pray it this way. Lord, let your will in heaven be done here in my life right now. It might not be the easiest way. It might not be the simplest way. It might not even be the most uncomplicated way. But when God brings his will to bear in our lives, whatever it is, it's the best for us. And I thank God for that, that he knows what's best for me. And so when I pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for me and he intercedes for you with groanings too deep for words. He takes our prayers and directs them into the will of God so that God's will will be done in our lives. 
But sometimes we're afraid to move and act when God shows us because we're afraid, we're doubtful, we're fearful, and we're uncertain. And sometimes the Lord has to prod us. Yes, go, go, and go and do my will. And then we see in verse 5 that now comes the time for action. David and his men, 600 mighty men equipped for war, go out to fight these Philistines. And he's going to give them, notice, a tremendous victory. Notice what it says in verse 5 of chapter 23. And David and his men went to Keliah and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keliah. Was there any doubt that God gave him a victory? It was a complete victory. They defeated those Philistines and sent them packing, sent them running. In fact, he took away their livestock from them. And that was a fringe benefit for David and his men. And I thought about that. Bill likes steak. Just think of that. They had some livestock and out in the wilderness on their journeys that they had, they had steak in the middle of the wilderness. Does God take care of his people? Yes, he does. Does he give us victory? Yes, he does. If we trust in him, God gives us the victory. And I found five key words in verse five that speak of the victory that David had. The first one is went. In order to gain the victory in our spiritual lives, we have to go when God says to go. We have to trust in him for his strength. The second one is in in verse five. Also, it's fought. Life is a battle. It's a fight. We're in the battle against the world, the flesh and the devil. And the devil doesn't take any vacations. He takes no holidays or no breaks. He's after you. Just like Saul was after David, so too the devil's after us every day. But be encouraged. God has given us the victory. The third thing is the word struck is the third word. He struck the enemy with a mighty blow, not just a blow, but a mighty blow and defeated the enemy. And then the fourth word is the word took. He took their livestock. And that, as I mentioned, was a fringe benefit of David and his men. And then the final one is he saved. He saved this city of Kaliah. This was a city in Judah, about 20 miles northwest of Hebron. And later on, this would be a key city in David's reign. But right now at this time, he delivered every man, every woman, and every child. He saved them. And guess what? They never said thank you. If you read this portion over, you will be so sad because you don't find any appreciation in these men. And we're going to see it in the next few verses. The men and women of Keliah did not appreciate David for what he had done for them. And it's very, very sad. We're going to see that now in verses 6 to 13. Because we see that Abiathar, the priest, comes to David and he brings the ephod. And David immediately brings, he calls for that ephod. And they had what was called the Urim and the Thummim. It was part of it that they used to call upon the Lord in prayer and seek the Lord's guidance. And so he says, come and bring it to me. And he prays to the Lord again a specific prayer. And we see in this chapter that the Lord is going to be with David. But it's amazing. Saul hears about it. How did Saul know about it from miles away? Saul had spies and he had people that were all around watching for where David went. And I don't even put it past Saul to have somebody put a tail on Abiathar. So as Abiathar is going to David, he says, you follow him because he'll go to David. And sure enough, he said, David is in this city. He's trapped. He's in this walled city. If we go right now with all our force, we can... Get David and we can kill him and be done with him once and for all. But David had some spies too. 
David knew about what was going on, too. He knew that Saul was coming after him and with all his army. And the Lord then, he says to the Lord, should is Saul going to come? And he says, are these people going to deliver them into my hand? That was his prayer. And I thought about how God had always taken care of David in the past. He had always taken care of him and protected him. Is he going to let him down now? Is he going to let Saul kill him now? I mean, the circumstances are, are tough for David. He's going to gain the victory over the circumstances. God protects us. He gives us his promises. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's God's promise to you today. Whatever you're going through in your Christian life, whatever is happening in your life, you can claim the promises of God that he's with you in that trial and he's going to see you through and he's going to give you protection and blessing. I read three stories uh, yesterday as I was studying for the message about how God used a chicken, a dog, and a spider to save his people. Listen to these stories. They're so interesting. Back in the days of uh, when the Christians were being persecuted, Emperor Charles V was trying to assassinate this man named John Brent, who was a friend of Martin Luther's. And we know that they were reformers and they loved the word of God and they followed the gospel of Christ. Well, one day they heard that the army was coming and they were going to take John Brent's. So he had barely enough time to grab one loaf of bread and to get into his neighbor's hayloft. So he got the bread and he got in the hayloft and he was in there for quite a while and he ate the bread and it was gone. Ate the bread. He says, what am I going to do? Well, God sent a chicken. Divine coincidence. He sent a chicken and that chicken laid an egg once a day for 14 days. Now that's a coincidence, right? That's a divine coincidence. God loves him so much that he sends this chicken and he eats the chicken's egg. Of course, I don't like raw eggs. I don't know about you, but he ate it and he survived with that protein and that good nutrition for 14 days. Well, then the 15th day came and the chicken didn't show up. Where's the chicken, Lord? She's been here every morning, every morning like clockwork. She gets here at six o'clock and wakes me up and gives me that egg. She's not here today. And then all of a sudden he heard the news down on the streets. The army's gone home. You can come down at safe on the 15th day. God saved this man by a chicken. The second story is told of a man named John Craig who was arrested during the Inquisition and he was scheduled for execution. Can you imagine? You're in jail and you know tomorrow you're going to be executed. They're going to cut off your head. So he escaped. He got away and he fled into the, into the outlying areas and there he was trying to survive, but he didn't have time to bring anything, any food or money or anything. And he was trying to get away. And all of a sudden, one day he's walking along and this dog comes up to him. He says, get away, get away. The dog is persistent. He keeps coming up to him and he's got a purse in his mouth. And he says, what have you got there? And he says, OK, what have you got there? He opens it up and finds enough money to live on to get away. Coincidence? Divine coincidence. God provides and God protects his servants. Third illustration, a spider. I love this story. There was a man named Robert Bruce of Scotland. He was running away from his lives and the persecutors were everywhere. They were tracking him and they were closing in on him. He saw a cave. He went into the cave and he hid inside the cave and he heard them all outside. He goes, oh boy, I'm in trouble. They're all around. And so all of a sudden, this little spider crawls up over that cave and he spins his web and covers over the cave. 
Well, the men start coming by and there's two of them and they're breathing out threats and violence against this man. And all of a sudden, they, they were about to go in the cave and one man was just about to go in the cave and his friend said, don't bother going in the cave. He couldn't have gone in there. He would have broke the spider's web. God sent a spider to save this man. A chicken, a dog, and a spider. God can save us by whatever means. He's not restricted. He can save by many or by few. Praise God. May God give us the faith to realize how much God takes care of us every day. Through every way, God will take care of you. Yes, David had seen it in his life time and time again. Is it time to doubt now? No, he believes in God and he knows God will take care of him. But he also knew that he had to leave because those two things. Saul is going to come and the people are going to deliver you. I thought about that and I thought, how sad. David had just saved every man, every woman and every child in Kaliah. He had delivered them from the Philistines. He had protected their, their livelihood. And what kind of thanks did they give? None. What kind of appreciation did they offer to David? None. In fact, the Lord says, when the time comes, they're going to give you over to Saul. They're going to sell you out, man. They're going to give you up in a heartbeat because they're going to think of their own skin. Because they're going to remember the story about one day when Saul heard that David had gone down to the priest. There and, and, and when he went to the priest, the priest gave him the showbread to eat for he and his men and he gave him the sword of Goliath. Well, when Saul heard about that, he sent his men down there because they heard David was there and Saul ordered every priest to be killed, 85 priests. And he also killed everybody in that city, every man, every woman and every child. Well, sure, these people were scared. Sure, they were. But didn't they trust God? No, they said, we will give up David. We want to save ourselves. And I thought, how sad. Is there no loyalty? Is there no appreciation among people today? We don't see it. Loyalty is such a virtue that is so scarce nowadays and faithfulness and gratitude is just not seen by very many people today. May the Lord help us to be the most loyal, thankful people to the Lord because look what he's done for us. The Lord Jesus Christ says, I will die for you on the cross. I will offer myself up for you on the cross. I will save you. And when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we should be the most loyal people to Him. We should say, Lord, I will follow You wherever You want me to go and do whatever You want me to do. Because we look back to Calvary every Sunday when we break bread and we remember what He did for us. We don't want to sell out our Lord. We want to stand up for Him in this world and be a blessing to the people around us. Well, the one good thing about it was once Saul had heard, again, he hears the news that David had left Keliah. He says, well, we might as well forget it. He got out of my hands again. He slipped through my hands like oil coming through. I thought I had him this time. Why couldn't Saul kill David? Because God wouldn't let him. And I really thank God that as long as we serve the Lord and honor him, he will take care of us and you and I will not die until God has finished our course until we finished our mission or the rapture will come and we can thank the Lord that he is with us every single day. Well, the last part of this chapter tells us that David and his 600 men rise up and leave that place. And it says they go wherever they could. Isn't it amazing? David didn't have a nice home, just like John the Baptist we studied about. He didn't have a nice home. He had to leave everything behind. He lived in the wilderness. He lived in caves. But I never once hear David complain. Do you ever see David complain about it? 
Does he say, Lord, why do I have to live in this cave? Why is it like this? I'm the anointed king. Why is Saul still after? No. He thanked God. He trusted God. And through the trials that he went through, he wrote the beautiful Psalms that we have. And we can thank God for David's trials because if he didn't go through what he did, we wouldn't have these beautiful words of encouragement to lift us up too when we are going through hard times. Thank God for the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit. And notice the Holy Spirit adds in verse 13, Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. I thought this is another sad thing. Here's King Saul, right? Doesn't he have anything else to do? Doesn't he have any other battles to fight? Doesn't he have people to take care of in his kingdom? All he does every day, he's obsessed with it. I've got to kill David. David is our number one enemy of the kingdom. He says he's, he's on the FBI's most wanted list. Well, was David a criminal? No. He was a righteous and godly man. What did I ever do wrong, King Saul? He said to him. I fought your battles. I killed Goliath for you. I, I was loyal to you. I played my harp for you. I did all of these kinds of things. But Saul was focused on killing him. God was focused on saving him. And that's the way it is in our life. The devil is focused on hurting you. God is focused on protecting you and blessing you. And we can rejoice in that. I love what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians. He says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over our circumstances. Victory over everything in our lives. He also told the Romans that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so in the last part of this chapter, we see that David is hiding in the wilderness. And guess what? The Lord sends somebody there to encourage him. Somebody he knows, somebody he loves, Jonathan, the son of David. You know, that's really amazing to me that you could have a father like Saul who so hated David and you had a son like Jonathan who so loved David. As much as Saul wanted to hurt him, David wanted to, uh, Jonathan rather wanted to help him. And I thought how encouraging that just at the right time when maybe David was a little down and he was thinking about how unloyal and unfaithful those people were and how they were ungrateful and how he had to go again and leave and go out into the wilderness. And guess what? God sent a friend. God sent an encourager. Somebody to lift him up. Bill McDonald says about this passage, he says, what a ministry today. The church would greatly benefit if there were more encouragers around. Only those who have experienced the power of a strengthening word spoken in season know the blessing it brings to the soul. And I know if you've experienced it and I've experienced it too, you're going through a hard time and all of a sudden a brother comes along and gives you that big smile and hugs you and welcomes you and, and encourages you in the Lord. And you say, I can go on. I can go on because God gives us that encouragement to go on. And I praise God for the encouragers we have in our assembly. In the New Testament, there was a man named Barnabas. He was called the son of encouragement. That's why Bill gave Don Levi that nickname. He calls him Barnabas or Barney for short. And I love that because Don is an encourager. He's always positive, always encouraging. And that's the way we should be. We should encourage one another because we all go through many different things and the Lord knows what we're going through. And he's right there with us. And thank God he sends different people into our lives to encourage us. And I like how Jonathan in this passage reassures David. He says, David, fear not. You're going to be king. You are already the anointed king, but you're going to be the real king one day. He says, my father's not going to kill you. You're going to be on the throne and I'm going to serve with you. Well, sadly enough, though, 
Jonathan did that one part of it didn't come true because Jonathan went out to fight with his father Saul and they fought against the enemy of the Philistines. Saul died and all his sons died, including Jonathan. It was so sad. I wish Jonathan had stayed with David, don't you? I wish he would stayed there with him and been with David and they could have reigned together. But instead, he went back to his father. But he loved David and he brought in a message of encouragement. So may the Lord help us today as we have studied from his word that God loves us and he cares for us and he brings these trials into our lives not to hurt us, but to to grow our faith and strengthen us so that we can handle the circumstances that come. May the Lord help us to rise above our circumstances and not let things weigh us down or pressure us, but say, Lord, you've allowed it in my life. Please give me the grace to handle it. And he will not only give you grace, but he'll give you abundant grace. Sometimes we go through things that are so hard in life. We say, Lord, I need a little bit extra grace today. Could you send me a little bit more? And he says, yes, I'll send you a little bit more. I'll send you a lot more because he knows what we're going through. And we can thank the Lord that David was victorious. And we know the end of the story that David did become king. He ruled over Judah and he ruled over all Israel. And he was a godly king. Did he make mistakes? Did he sin? Yes. But he was a man after God's own heart. He always repented. He was got right with the Lord and God used him. And the words of David are written in the scriptures for us to be remembered that God gives us victory over our circumstances. May the Lord encourage us today to claim his promises and walk in the victory that he has given us. Shall we close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of David. Truly, Lord, he was your servant. He was your anointed king. He was the one that was after your own heart. Lord, we want to be like that in our lives. We want to be faithful vessels, Lord, servants. Like Taylor was singing in her song, we want to serve you and do your will. And we know, Lord, that there's going to be trials and difficulties, hardships and problems. And help us not to be discouraged. Help us to look to you for strength and power. And Lord, help us to be encouragers to others as well when they go through things. And Lord, we thank you that you love this congregation. You love each person here. And we pray for anyone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior today, that today will be the day they will realize that right now they're living for themselves and on their own, and they can have Christ and have him in their life. Lord and Father, we pray for the salvation of those who need Christ today. And Lord, please encourage us from your word. Help us to meditate on your scriptures every day and to be blessed. We ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.